CES Wednesday. We have so many cool, diverse people from different backgrounds, different beliefs, different upbringings, and it just keeps growing. I feel it in my I'm a citizen of the United States. I'm a hustler. I'm a big Taylor Swift fan. I'm the queen of the tribe. I am playing whatever role I gotta play. I'm gonna play this game for speed. I ain't going down like no punk. A new Survivor, Wednesday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Good evening, Browns fans, and welcome to OBR Weekly for September 28th, 2022. Uh, I, uh, we're already getting comments in the chat room. Sorry, it took me completely out of my introduction. Sorry about that. Um, my name is Barry McBride. I am the publisher of the Orange and Brown Report. Very proud to be your host here for the next hour as we talk Cleveland Browns with the legendary beat writer of the Orange and Brown Report, Mr. Fred Freedom. How's it going, Fred? So everything's doing good. It's rainy a little bit, but we don't have hurricanes yeah i was watching the hurricane newscast right before i came out here i was like i was afraid to walk outside given how uh you know what i was seeing on the television it's just horrible down there hurricane ian besmirching his good name as he knows here in the twitch chat um so let's uh let's get right to it this show really exists to answer your questions um this is not a typical twitch show uh, with a beat writer where they have sort of pre-scripted things they're going to talk about, we are going to react to your questions. So please fire them off in the chat room, whether you're on YouTube or you, whether you're on Twitch. We'll get them here, and uh, we will dive into them. And we're already starting to get some, so thank you very much uh, for firing some things our way, and we will get to them. But uh, uh, we are going to focus a little bit more uh, on this upcoming game uh, with uh, the Falcons. And we are, you know, in terms of talking about the Steelers, I got one Steeler question, but by and large, we're going to talk about the fact, uh, the, uh, <laughs> we're going to talk about the fact of Falcons. And Paul points out that I've done zero preparation per usual. That's not true. I've got like four questions I wrote down before uh, showing up here tonight. Uh, so lots of work on my part. But uh, we'll focus on the Falcons. We'll answer your questions. Same old deals we normally do here on OBR Weekly. But Fred, let's talk about the situation that you reported on from Berea today. Uh, we've got Anthony Walker, of course, done for the season. We'll talk about him more in a minute. Uh, Miles Garrett uh, with various injuries uh, from uh, his car wreck. Uh, Jadavian Clowney with an ankle. JOK with a groin. Uh, Taven Bryan with a hamstring and Denzel Ward with back and rib injuries. Uh, all of them in sort of, of a mysterious limbo, according to Kevin Stefanski, where he doesn't know if they're going to play or not. How, how much of that do you think is gamesmanship and how much do you think is them actually needing two more days of injury recovery to figure things out? You know, I've been around him enough now in three years. He says the same thing. Sometimes at the end of the week, they play, and sometimes they don't. I mean, he's just straight down the middle, and I don't know if he really knows or not, but I think part of it, the reason he doesn't declare him out is that's one 
you know, it changes their game planning. If, yep. if they say, well, Miles Garrett's not playing for sure, we don't have to plan for a double team or whatever, or same thing with Clowney or whatever. So I get that. Um, he'll say the same thing pretty much tomorrow. I mean, mm-hmm. all we can go by is practice. Now, practice was in indoors today. I get it a little bit because they're going to play in a dome, but they went in today because it was, it wasn't really raining during practice, but it had rain. So usually my experience is they go in anytime it's wet, even though in Cleveland you play in the elements. But with that said, they have weight room now on the other end of the um, practice field where it used to be the whole practice field. Um, but because of COVID, they moved the lockers apart. Well, right. anyway, I saw Clowney walking around and lifting weights, and I saw JOK walking around carrying a medicine ball. I saw Clowney in the locker room Monday, and I saw him today. Neither day did he have a walking boot on. Today he actually had on his tennis shoes, which would tell me that, you know, He's not in bad shape because, you know, you don't usually wear your tennis shoes if you have a sprained ankle laced up. You mm-hmm. know, you're usually wearing like open toed sandals or something looser. So I don't know um, what they'll do with him. I think it would be more of a sense of urgency that he would play if he can, especially if they're going to hold Garrett out. Right. Um, Ward kind of came out of the blue. You know, I didn't know he was hurt. He wasn't on the injury report Monday, but the coach said he had rib injury or, or soreness. So we really don't know the extent of his injury. Uh, you know, but when you count Walker, that'd be six out of 11 that started against the Steelers on defense in danger of not playing this week. You got to you know, take it that all those guys that didn't practice today, there's a good chance they won't play. Um, And that would be significant. You know, you Mm -hmm. you had a pro bowler in Garrett, a pro bowler in Clowney, a pro bowler in Ward. um, And, you know, starters, the other guys, Walker, obviously, and Taven Bryan, a position you're not very uh, deep at. And, I guess the only good news is Ronnie Harrison, who got scratched for pulling a hamstring before the game. He was out there Monday, and he was out there today, uh, full practice. So, you know, I don't know what he did before the game, but it obviously Mm -hmm. wasn't that bad. So, with that being said, you know, the Falcons are scoring 27 a game. They're, you know, they're like ninth in the NFL in scoring. Uh, They haven't had the best defense, but. You know, so the Browns are going to have, you know, their work cut out for them anyway. But if you're down that many guys, that that's going to allow, you know, obviously really test the depth. Yeah, let's talk about that Falcons offense a little bit. Uh, they're a lot better than they should be uh, based on their personnel, based on their quarterback. Uh, but they made the most out of the remnant pieces that uh, pieces, parts that they have on offense. Marcus Mariota doing pretty well running the RPO, very similar to what he did back in Oregon. And uh, Coderell, Corderell Patterson uh, making the conversion to running back and being very effective. He was last week's 
Offensive Player of the Week for the NFC. They've also got Kyle Pitts, uh, as pointed out in one of the questions that we've gotten already, a fantastic tight end. Uh, and you've got Drake London, uh, a six foot four uh, wide receiver. Uh, so let's talk about that a little bit. Uh, first question on the screen is how do you stop Pitts, uh, a guy like that, uh, especially with a banged up defense like the Browns have? If you're, if you're Joe Woods, uh, what are you thinking of doing uh, against a guy like Pitts? Well, they haven't really faced a premier tight end in the first three games. Uh, I'm thinking back, the one guy from Carolina, nobody covered him, had the 50-yard. Uh, mm-hmm. The Jets, um, their guy they got from the Bengals was out. And then the Steelers, Fryer moves pretty good, but he just had those back-to-back catches on the one drive. I didn't pay close enough attention to know who was covering him, but um, – I think you got to put somebody like Delpit on him or uh, especially if JOK is not able to play. He seems to be a guy that can cover Jacob Phillips, maybe another one, you know, an athletic guy. They do go against David Njoku every day who's 6'4". It'd be, mm-hmm. I, you know, I haven't compared exactly size and that, but he's athletic and that's what Pitts is. The one thing they, they John Johnson says is they just try to get him the ball. He's a receiver. He's really not a blocking tight end, obviously. Right. So they know when he's out there, he's looking to catch passes. So I would think that, you know, whoever they were using against, you know, Fryermuth probably be a combination. But I'd look at uh, Jacob Phillips um, or even Tony Fields if he's going to play over mm-hmm. JOK. Right. Or Grant Delpit, you know, as far as they seem to be the most physical uh, safeties they have and, and athletic linebackers. Yeah, we got a similar situation at wide receiver. Drake London, the first wide receiver taken uh, in the draft this year, six foot four, as I pointed out, uh, big guy. Our tallest cornerback is uh, Emerson uh, at uh, six foot two, I think. Uh, and our other guys about six foot, whatever. Uh, you got a height disparity like that. Does that put the Browns at a at a significant disadvantage? Do you think? Well, these guys have pretty good verticals. They can get up there. Um, they're used to playing taller receivers. Um, I mean, Emerson would probably match up the best, but uh, you know, I it, it depends on who they value as the toughest, you know, receiver. Their number one receiver. If Ward's not playing you'd probably have Greg Newsom on him, um, you know, and, and I think Emerson's obviously going to get a, get, you know, get an assignment. Maybe he will take London. I, I really liked London back at the combine. If you remember at that time, the Browns, we expected them to be picking 13th. That was before they traded, you know, for Deshaun Watson. And I liked London of the receivers. He he played basketball at USC big physical presence and I thought he could you know be be you know kind of what they ended up getting with Amari Cooper so um you know I like him he is a rookie uh hopefully Ward will be able to play you know and be able to shut down or you know he hasn't so far but he's out there you don't have Greedy Williams for at least another week and so yeah I think Emerson AJ Green Greg Newsome you know, are going to have their hands full. But I think 
that goes hand in hand with the pass rush. You know, if you don't have Clowney and Garrett, you know, you got to keep Mariota contained and not, you got to get pressure on him, but you got, you can't let him get outside and run because right. that's what he's known for doing, you know? And so I think it's going to be a, kind of a tough matchup with a running quarterbacks. First time they've really faced a running quarterback this year because Baker, you don't count him. He, he had a big play running. They didn't contain the middle. Uh, obviously Joe Flacco wasn't a running quarterback, you know, and then last week, you know, that, Mitch Trubisky was kind of, they did a pretty good job on him, mm-hmm. but yeah, I think the, the RPOs will, will test them, but uh, hopefully it seems like when they've had their backs against the wall and, and they're losing a lot of guys, it seemed like last year there were several defensive games where they were missing four five, six starters. And you thought, Oh, they're going to get hammered and they played well. So John right. Johnson alluded to that today that, Sometimes the the understudies step up and play, you know, better than we give them credit for. So that's what you're hoping for. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel, streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. Uh, you know, if I had to, uh, uh, if I had to uh, figure it out, uh, I would say that uh, it's going to be a high-scoring game, right? Sixty. I take the over right? With these two teams. And usually when I think that I'm uh, completely wrong uh, and uh, uh, it's a low scoring game. So maybe it'll surprise us all, but I would anticipate going into it a relatively high scoring game uh, unless the Browns are able to really dominate uh, with Chubb with the running game and just keep the ball out of the Falcons hands. Um, You know, (laughs) Uh, we've got Paul Spencer very alarmed uh, as we're talking about all these uh, weapons that the Falcons have, and you should be alarmed, Paul. Uh, this is this is not going to be a simple game. This is not going to well, be doesn't, just walking in there and win and blowing them away. Doesn't take much to alarm Barry. So if Paul's alarmed and Barry's <laughs> not, that's even that's even worse. But you yeah. know, something something struck me today, hearing Kevin Stefanski going on and on about Cordell, Cordell Patterson. As you remember, he was a kick returner, first-round mm-hmm. pick. He never really amounted to a lot as a wide receiver. You know, he was up there. The offensive coordinator said he really – I'm like, why in the world didn't you figure out how to use this guy as a running back? Right. You know, I know they got Dalvin Cook a little, I think, after that. But, you know, hey, the, the only thing about him not being a running back to me is he's wearing number 84, you know. it's And I think John Johnson said that today because – He's he's almost like Christian McCaffrey. He runs the ball and catches the ball almost every day, every play. So mm-hmm. whatever game plan they had against the Panthers, I think they need to really approach it because everything's going through Patterson. You know, he's right. running it or he's catching passes. So I I became aware of him last year 
because my wife was in fantasy football and she picked him up on waivers and he was like mm. her best player. Right. And, and because he gets the ball all the time. So hopefully whatever, I know the Panthers seem to shy away from McCaffrey in that first game for whatever reason, but hopefully the Browns will go in there and, and plan to try to shut him down because if, if you go outside him and force Mariota to just do it all throwing the ball, I think that favors you. I mean, they're, they're 27th, I think. Yeah. They're 26th in the NFL and pass offense one notch ahead of the Browns, but they don't have the running game. The Browns do. And so mm -hmm. that's, that's what I, I think if you can force them to throw the ball. So you want to, again, stop the run and, and uh, try to take Patterson and mitigate him as much as possible. Yeah. It makes total sense. Makes total sense. Um, let's talk a little bit about uh, the situation at linebacker. Obviously, we got a number of guys hurt, uh, but Anthony Walker was having a fantastic year uh, for the Browns. Uh, tremendous season, but he's now out for the year. A couple of questions about that. Uh, first, is it for sure that it's going to be Jacob Phillips uh, filling in for uh, Walker, or are they going to use a couple of different players? Is Tony Fields going to make more of an appearance or – you know, someone else rotating in. I'm sure they'll rotate the depth. Um, you know, as far as we talked to Phillips, he said that every time he's been on the field, you know, in his first three years, he's wore the green dot, including the mm -hmm. other night he took over when Walker went out. I expect that. In fact, Stefanski said that Monday. So obviously he's not going to be out there on every down. Walker wasn't out there every down, but he's going to be the, the mic. And, um, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if, if they, you know, rotate fields in there, keep an eye on a guy named Jordan Kunisic. He was signed later in training camp. They've elevated him. He's now on the active roster, number 51. And I've heard they like him a lot. Another guy today, I, I put in my notes, he was wearing number 40. His name's Jermaine Carter. They signed him to the practice squad. Um, he's like a five-year veteran, and he started, I think, all 17 games for the Panthers last year at linebacker, and he was with the Chiefs. So he might not be up to speed to play this week, but usually when they add guys to the practice squad, kind of like Chester Rogers, they have something planned for him. Mm -hmm. You know, obviously with depth, losing Walker. So I think he's that veteran that they brought in. And I would not even be surprised if he he wasn't active this week, you know, as far as for special teams or things like that. So, um, yeah, I think that Taki Taki has been kind of penciled in to be a, the first, second down on the strong side linebacker. They might even move him around a little bit. They might even mm -hmm. have him help out rush the passer. He was a pass rusher coming out of Brigham Young, if you remember. Right. He had some pretty good numbers. And I think they used him a little bit as a rookie, but then he got pigeonholed more back into just being a linebacker. So I think that it could be all hands on deck, especially, you know, you know, with the uncertainty, you know, at the position, especially with Walker out, you're and you and you don't know a JOK, you know, you don't know with a groin. Uh, I think tomorrow will tell if, if some of these guys even get back and they're limited in practice mm -hmm. um, or, 
I've even seen them wait till Friday. And if they're listed as limited, you know, they go into at least having a chance questionable. So I just think that, yeah, anything could happen. I could see if, if JOK is not going to play, then they could activate, you know, Carter and, uh, you know, and have Fields and Kunisik and, and Taki Taki, all of them helping out with besides just Phillips because you're going to be really thin there. Yeah, they are. Um, You know, hopefully JOK is uh, miraculously healed this week and returns to the field. Otherwise, uh, you know, some other guys are going to get the chance. Um, And I was, you know, I was pretty happy with how they did last week. Uh, I thought they stepped up. Uh, Whether they can do that for two weeks in a row, I don't know. But speaking of Walker, and and I don't want to belabor the Steelers game or anything, I was just wondering your thoughts on, uh, I'm going to try this name here, Chukwama Okorafor's swan dive uh, onto a uh, prone Anthony Walker uh, during that play where Walker got injured. Um, We had a big explosion on Twitter because uh, the person we had running our Twitter account at that point uh, thought it was a dirty play and said so. And then uh, Steeler fans sort of jumped all over that. Oh, it's not dirty and blah, blah, blah. What about isms about Deshaun Watson and and so on and so forth? What do you think about it? Is is that a play that the NFL should discipline uh, the offensive lineman for uh, or – um, you know, do you think that it's it's borderline legitimate laying on a linebacker like that? Oh, I think I expect him to get fined, you know. Um, okay, it's one thing I understand that you're, you know, you're allowed to lay on the guy um, to make sure he doesn't get up. When he's not moving a muscle, that's a pretty good indication that he's not getting up. I mean, if he's yeah. trying to get up, I can see you do that, but he's not even moving. He's laying there like he's dead and you jump on him. Like, like my grandkids do to me, you know, when I'm <laughs> laying on the floor, I mean, yeah, I would say that's a dirty play. I mean, that's my opinion. Um, like I said, if Walker was starting to get onto his knee, even though he was hurt, then you can then you have a little more you could stand right there. I mean, he's not getting away from you. Right, right. He's not you don't just possum. have to launch, you know, in that situation. Um, yeah, I, I think that's bush to me. You know, it's like, you know, and I don't I don't care what a Steeler fan's gonna say, you know, they would say the same thing if if a Brown did that to one of their guys. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it, just a little bit more edge to that rivalry, which uh, has been entirely in the Steelers' favor in recent years, until recent years, um, you know, maybe heating up again, uh, you know, and plays like that will certainly uh, be in Browns fans' memory uh, when we face them again. Um, what I want to do before we get to some of the questions that we have stored up here, and please, we've got nine or ten questions stored up. If you've got things that you want to talk about, comments, questions, whatever that you want us to knock around, uh, feel free to get them in. Um, and we will certainly jump on those. Uh, but let's talk about a, uh, a feature that uh, Jack Duffin does on our site that I wanted to get your take on. Uh, he does something every week called Stock Up, Stock Down, which is 
where he picks players whose performances either helped or hurt them in the eyes of the team or the eyes of the fans. Um, so, you know, with the Steelers game, I know it was uh, five, six days ago, but uh, whose stock do you think went up uh, during the uh, during the Steelers game? Who came out of that in better shape than they went into it? Well, I mean, I didn't I, – I put a few down, but as far as – no question – you know, Jacoby Brissett went up even more. And uh, Nick Chubb, obviously, a lot of the ones you – Amari Cooper, ones you sitter. But I say David Njoku. I mean, everybody's been waiting for him to have a game. Um, the Browns invested in him on potential. I mean, there's no question about it. You know, they gave him a lot of money. They got rid of Hooper. They really streamlined it almost – to make sure he was going to, you know, have a good year. And we saw in the first game, even the second game, kind of like, are you kidding me? It's going to be the same old Austin Hooper type tight end offense. But then the other night against the Steelers, they just started feeding him. And that one drive, I didn't, I think it was at least three straight plays over the middle, just pitch and catch. So hopefully they found something here. And because they spent the money on him, they invested in him. They're also forcing and getting him the ball. And so I think that only helps. Jedrick Wills, he was kind of being maligned a little bit. And I saw he was he graded out well um, for his play against the Steelers. And I think the biggest thing with him is just if he can stay away from the injury bug. Um, I saw him today walking around. He had bare feet on. He didn't have any didn't look like any bother on his ankles and Jack Conklin. I mean, obviously you didn't know exactly if he was hundred percent back. Um, he stepped in against the Steelers and the Browns put up 172 yards rushing and didn't miss a beat. You expect them to do better than what they did with James Hudson. They actually, that was their third uh, number rushing yardage of the three games they did better the first two but I think you were playing a much better defense and then Jacob Phillips I think that you know a lot of questions are on him now the biggest question to me is can he stay healthy they liked him when they drafted him they expected him to be a playmaker and you know he's he missed 20 of the first 33 games regular season in his first two years. And so he's really a rookie. He hasn't even played a full season. But I think the other night he stepped up and made plays after Walker went down. He had a sack, the only sack. He had a, a pass breakup. He talked to us the other day on Monday. He's really excited for the opportunity. He doesn't feel like he, it's bigger, bigger than him in the moment. So I'd say these four guys I have on the screen there are Hurricane Ian put up. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, but, but obviously, you know, some of the other ones that we were expecting, you know, played well. And I didn't really say, cause their stock was already up. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, Nick Chubb just continuing to play at a high level, uh, you know, throughout the season so far, I'm going to talk about him in a second, but before that, uh, whose stock do you think went down, uh, against the Steelers? A lot of people probably disagree with me on this, but to me, um, availability is the biggest ability. 
and and I'm tired of seeing Jadavian Clowney on the list. I'm mm -hmm. tired of seeing Denzel Ward on the list. And, you know, it's not their fault if they get hurt, but it just seems like Clowney's always on a list and you can't depend on him. You know, right. you think you got something and then he's injured. We saw that all training camp. I know that they were just trying to, you know, keep him healthy for the regular season. But, you know, it's it's like, come on, guy. You know, heal up and get out there. They need you. Denzel Ward, I mean, I remember last year at the end of a game, he got hurt, but he finished the game. And then he turned out being out for a couple games or so. And hopefully it's not this way. He finished the game against the Steelers. Mm -hmm. And then, and then had a rib injury or something, and he didn't practice today. Kind of showed up on the injury report. He wasn't mentioned after the game or even Monday. Uh, so Clowney and Ward, basically because of being on the field, Ward I know hasn't been grading that well, but I still think he's a good player. He just needs to be out on the field. Uh, yeah. JOK is same thing. You know, I know last year he had COVID. He missed a couple games. You know, it's like. Okay, guy, the injury thing, but I want to see more plays out of him. I was expecting him to be kind of all over the field. Right. And I haven't I haven't really seen the type of playmaker that I expected this year. I, I saw more last year, you know, in the second half of the season, expected him to pick up where he left off. So I don't know if they're playing him different or what, but, you know, I'm not down on him, but I'm just, you know, when you talk about stock, they were all high. It's a little lower, in my opinion. And Demetrius right. Felton, I like the kid. He, he's he's very um, able to do a lot of different things. But obviously, when you get demoted from your one role, being the punt returner, you know, he's not been playing at running back. He's not been used at wide receiver. He's just kind of there. Almost the next step is a practice squad in case they have injuries at running back or wide receiver or at the return. Mm -hmm. He ended up being the punt returner, obviously, because Jakeem Grant tore his Achilles. But Chester Rogers, I believe, is going to be the punt returner going forward, you know, until further notice. So off the top of my head, those are my four stock down. Yeah, Chester Rogers uh, really helped my blood pressure uh, last week compared to Demetric Felton. Uh, Felton was certainly an adventure out there those first couple of games. And uh, <clears throat> Rogers just seems to be more dependable, uh, knock on wood, that he doesn't do something to prove me wrong. Um, I'm going to ask uh, one more question here um, before we get to the, the, uh, uh, the chat room questions. And that has to do with um, the Falcons defense. You know, outside of Grady Jarrett, uh, there's not a whole heck of a lot there. Um, you know, they have not been stopping the run all that well. Um, and I guess, you know, Andrew made a point of this in uh, the uh, uh, Ask the Insiders forum uh, in his answer to one of the questions. But do you see a situation where Nick Chubb returning home to Atlanta, you know, returning home to a stadium where he played when he was with Georgia, do you think, given the combination of the Falcons' defense and, and that situation, that we could see a career day out of Nick Chubb? Yeah, I do. Um, talked to him today. He's excited about. <clears throat> he's excited about the opportunities. First time he's been back to that to the Georgia Dome since 
he played there uh, first time in the NFL. So I can expect, I think the Falcons also know that, and they're going to make a concerted effort to try to stop him. You know, we saw Mike Tomlin after the game for the Steelers said, we can't stop Nick Chubb until we stop Nick Chubb. It doesn't matter. Somebody ask him about Najoku. Somebody ask him somebody else. He goes, it doesn't matter. You don't stop Nick Chubb. You don't stop, stop the right. offense. So I think that's a pretty big endorsement um, how important Chubb is. I have a story to more about the running attack. And and uh, the one thing in the first three games, hopefully they'll keep it up. He is carrying the ball. I think he's carried the ball 62 times in three games. So he's averaging over 20 carries, where last year he averaged about 15 or 16 carries through the first three games. And, and Kareem Hunt is also about seven carries ahead of where he was at this time. So they're making a, a commitment more so to the running game. And uh, I think it, you know, we've seen when a team isn't supposed to be very good against the run somehow are able to stop it. But the, but the Char- or the Falcons are giving up 109 yards a game rushing, which is middle of the pack, but they're getting torched and, passing you Mm -hmm. know they're 271 yards a game and that's where the browns really the browns are actually averaging more a game rushing than they are passing we expected them to increase their passing game this year and they're actually about the same as they were last year they're like 188 a game 27th in the nfl so if they can win with that formula so be it but i do think this could be a day that Amari Cooper could have a good day as well because they've mm-hmm. they've allowed a lot of big plays on on the secondary. But but your point, Nick Chubb, you know, when you when you you and Kareem Hunt in the first three games have done more than anybody pair of backs for the Browns since Bobby Mitchell and Jim Brown in 1958. That's two Hall of Fame running backs they had yep. in the backfield in 1958. Not many were around then. I was one year old. But I do remember Jim Brown, and he was awful good. And I looked at the numbers he was putting up. They, they put up 332 yards against the Steelers in a game in 1958. And, and Paul Brown believed in that, and it worked. They won the first three games. So why, if this has worked, Keep on doing it. Hopefully yeah. Stefanski doesn't get cute and kind of go back to limiting the running, you know, the 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 times. Because we saw that how many times against the Steelers? First play, give it to Chubb, he get one yard, be second and nine. But then they'd come back with he get six, seven yards, or maybe even break it. Mm-hmm. And and if, if it was third and short, then he'd pass, get the first down. So I I wanna when you got two horses like that. You want to stay with it. And Alex Van Pelt said last week or the last time we talked to him that they have a philosophical change. I don't know quite yet what that means. I don't know if we'll get to if he would expound on that. Right. It almost sounded to me that he said we don't care about worrying about limiting their carries could be what they meant. So we'll see. Yeah. Uh, Stefanski was very much – taking similar questions today about uh, distribution of the ball. And he just, he doesn't care about it. It's one point more than the other guy. You know, that's what the key is. 
And all these people, you know, over the last couple of years who've been saying, give Chubb the rock, run the ball more, got to be feeling vindicated right now because they're running the ball more and it's been very, very effective to for them to date. Um, so we'll have to watch the, the whole Nick Chubb situation uh, as he returns home to uh, Atlanta uh, over the weekend. And uh, unfortunately, uh, not a lot of people are going to see it because the Browns have the misfortune of being at the same time as the Bills versus the Ravens. And uh, apparently the TV networks feel that there's uh, a lot of interest in Josh Allen versus Lamar Jackson. And uh, I can't disagree with them. That'll be a very interesting game as well. But uh, um, hopefully Chubb makes some noise and gets some attention. So uh, let's jump to some of the uh, questions we got out of the chat room. The first one comes from Fumble13. He asks, if Miles doesn't play and Clowney is still down, are we going to blitz like crazy to get some pressure on the quarterback? Well, I, I wanted him to do more, you know, in the first two or three games. And that was with a full deck. Um, I don't know. I mean, who are you going to blitz? If you're down Ward, if you're down JOK, those are some of your blitzers. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I just think that Joe Wood seems to be conservative and, and that's with his full complement of stars. If they're down, you know, those two defensive ends, you're going to be playing almost like contain is what is what I think. We'll talk to him tomorrow. I don't know. Obviously, he's not going to tell us what they're doing. But, yeah, um, yeah, I'm all for the blitzes, you know, as long as they don't, you know, there isn't somebody running, you know, downfield open. I mean, we saw the communication problems. You want to make sure you have all that ironed out, especially if you have newer guys out there. You know, if Tony Fields is playing a lot and Jacob Phillips is kind of new, hasn't played a lot, who knows is Taven Bryan. You know, you're going to have Winfrey or Togei probably in there. So you might have a couple of rookies at defensive end, Alex Wright, Isaiah Thomas, if those two guys are on. So I don't think they're going to get too cute because no. they don't want, you know, to get – give up a, an easy touchdown because of miscommunication. Right. Right. I, I mean, I totally get that at the same time. I'm thinking, you know, Wood's strategy might make some sense, you know, not to blitz frequently because he can get pressure with just Clowney and Garrett, right. He's got maybe the best edge rusher in football, you know, they're playing for him. So why do you need to blitz? Right. Um, you can keep your guys back and, uh, keep the ball in front of you. But without Clowney and Garrett, there's got to be some way to get some pressure on Mariota. So then you have to dial up a blitz or something a little bit fancy. But I don't know what direction he's going to go. I, you know, you're probably right in that he will, uh, you know, get as conservative or even more conservative. But uh, it'll be interesting to see. All right. Next question here from Red Leader 74. Uh, he asks if Miles and Clowney are out, does that hurt the secondary? As we will need more bodies in the box. So with Miles and Clowney out, do we put more people in the box and uh, therefore expose ourselves to the pass? I mean, it just depends on what you have. You know, like if your secondary, it looks like you'll have. Harrison Delpit, John Johnson, your three safeties. So you might see, you know, 
putting another safety in the box there. Newsom looks like he's good to go, and Emerson and Green, you know, so if Ward doesn't go, he's more of a, a press guy on the outside. That's what they played. So I just, yeah, I could see him putting Harrison or Delpit more in the box. Um, I think they're just going to mix it around. A lot of it's going to depend on, you know, who the other guys are. I mean, if Miles and Clowney are out, you still, what does, where does that leave JOK? Where does that leave, you know, Ward? Where does that leave, you know, anybody else, you know, on the thing? But I, I think that on the defensive line right now today, you got Thomas and Wright, two rookies, and Isaac Rochelle, who you brought up from the practice squad. They, they signed Curtis Weaver to the practice squad. He, he was released and at the end of training camp in the cut. So, I mean, you got a very inexperienced group without both those guys. So mm. hopefully if you get one of them, you know, I'm kind of holding on a little bit on the clowny. I don't know if after the Jets game, Miles said, well, hopefully he'll be, he says, I think he'll be ready to go Thursday night. So I got the idea that it, that it wasn't that bad. I don't think it's a high ankle sprain, especially since I'm seeing him walking around and so forth. But if they just feel like, okay, we're going to make do this week, you know, make sure for the Patriots game he's back you know, then they are going to really be thin. They're going to have to be creative. You're going to have to, you know, maybe play an extra, maybe, like I said, maybe think out of the box, put Taki Taki at pass rusher, or he's a pretty good run stopper. What mm -hmm. are you, what do you have more depth at linebacker or defensive lineman? And right now with all those injuries, neither is really very deep. Right. Right. Uh, I tell you what, let's go to our next question from Fumble13. I uh, don't know if it is necessarily a question or a frustration in question form, but he says, why is our injury report always twice or three times longer than the other team? Is it dot, 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 brilliant subterfuge? So do you think uh, Stefanski might be playing some games here with that injury report, a la Bill Belichick and trying to create mystery about who the Browns will field on Sunday? I don't think so because a lot of these guys end up not playing and, and it's not like they don't practice all week and then they play every week. Um, it's a pretty good indicator. I mean that I think he's more of a straight shooter. I mean, I don't think he's disguising anything. He just calls it the they put it down if they don't practice or whatever. I think that the training staff might err on the side of caution a little more with veterans, you know, like a Denzel Ward. Pretty much your job is to get to Sunday. Same thing with Clowney. Um, so if there's a chance they can play by not practicing, I think that he, he's shown. I don't think he's made a hard and fast rule that if somebody doesn't practice Friday that they're declared out. But um, – I don't have the answer. I saw the Falcons. They had like nothing on their injury report again. Right. I think Patterson was it and he was rested last week. You had the Steelers had one, one or two on their list. So 
I don't know. It's awful early. If you remember, it started out the Browns were in great shape. Right. <laughs> they got to the season with nobody on the injury list other than the ones they were lost for the season. But it just – it usually evens out. There was some last year with COVID that. I remember it was like a mash unit. Browns mm. had 15 or more on the list. And, and then there was games the other team did as well. So. Right. I don't know. I, I it's a it's a violent game, and I don't think it's the trainers are doing anything different. You know, when you get hit, you know your bones break, whether mm-hmm. whether you're trained right or not. Yeah, I mean, the only thing you would think soft tissue injuries, maybe they can they can they help. They put with in somehow. a whole new they put in a whole new room just for that stuff. You know, right, right. And uh, I mean, physically, I don't think you can eliminate all that stuff. No, no. I mean, it's just large people hitting each other. Things are gonna things are gonna break. Uh, let's go to a question from YouTube. This is Brandon. Brandon writes: Do you think the Browns were protecting Anthony Schwartz's confidence by not throwing to him the last two home games, or and do you suspect an increased role in Atlanta for Schwartz? Um, boy, about time for him to to make an impression, don't you think, Fred? Well, yeah, I don't think they're protecting him. They threw to him on a key third down against the Panthers. I know that was on the road, but I don't I don't think that's in the line of thinking. I don't remember him even getting a target um, in the last game, maybe even two. He, he, he you know, he's got to be more con- – same thing with David Bell. I was expecting at least one of them to be involved in the passing offense – and look at you got Donovan Peoples-Jones. You know, he had six catches in the first game. He's had one catch in the last two games. So, right. um, I mean, you can't fault him for throwing to Amari Cooper. He did he did have a drop, and he did miss a ball he should have caught, and he did run out of bounds, but he went over 100 yards, and we haven't seen that back-to-back game since Josh Gordon was here. So, right. um, I don't think they're trying to protect him. If they were trying to protect him, you know they they wouldn't they wouldn't have him on the roster, you know, because they need they need receivers. They don't have a very deep receiving route. I mean, right now you got beside Cooper and Peoples Jones, you're using Najoku as a as a wide receiver. Really, you're throwing yeah. him the ball like a wide receiver. So we'll see what what they do. Yeah, it's turf. If anybody can th- show his speed, again, we talked about him stretching the field. Mm-hmm. I don't see him run any go routes. You know, if nothing else, just, you know, take off, like sprint. Right. Whether you throw it or not, try it, you know, but I haven't even seen that. So maybe this would be the week. On the turf, it probably be fast, and maybe right. that, maybe that's what you you uh, try with Schwartz, try to get him get him off the snide and have a big play. Yeah, that would be nice. Uh, I'd like to see more from Bell, too. You would think after Cooper and Njoku did uh, um, so well last weekend that the Falcons will be keen on them, maybe providing some opportunities to some of our other receivers to sort of stand out. Um, Let's go to a comment from uh, Fumble13. We already talked about this a, a little bit in terms of how you deal with uh, the injuries on the uh, defensive line and uh, needing to create pressure. And Fumble 13 thought, 
how about you play a cover zero and bring the house like Miami did to Baltimore last year? If you can't get pressure like we normally do, get it any way you can. You think the Cleveland Browns could handle that, Fred, or do you think that's a recipe for disaster? Well, I mean, I, I want to see pressure, but I don't know if I'm ready to, you know, Mar- Mariota, I'm worried about his legs. And I think if he can get past the first wave, he can, you know, get some big chunks. Same thing with Patterson. So um, you better be sure you can you can get to him. I know Miami did that, and that took some guts. Um, I don't know if Joe Woods is ready to do that with the group that he'll probably have down some starters, you know, on Sunday. I think it he'll tend to be more conservative than more over-aggressive. I could be wrong. Okay. Uh, well, we will, we will wait and see. Um, couple of uh, just a couple questions left. Uh, this one from our buddy Ram. Uh, he writes in and says, uh, do you think a time control offense should be the game plan? So keep that ball in the ground, keep it away from the Falcons. Makes sense to me, but the Falcons are so bad against the pass, you know, maybe you need a balanced offense. What do you think, Fred? Well, I think that's, that's what they've been successful more so on the ground, but I mean, there's plays begging there. I mean, we saw it in the Panthers game, and uh, Brissett just overthrew a couple guys. But I think they'll take what they can get. In the NFL today, we've always heard you got to establish the run. It's not that way so much anymore. I think that the Browns have been controlling the clock. You know, they they had some long-time generated drives against the Steelers, and that was a pretty good defense to – you know, even though they didn't have T.J. Watt, I would say that they are a better defense than the Falcons. And mm-hmm. so you ought to be able to control the ball. And if you can control the ball on the ground, you really only throw when you need to. They were setting up almost every time they were third and short. And he was probably the the play of the game, third and one. I think he did a rollout and hit Cooper down the field for like 30 yards. Um you know, that's what the running game does for you. And so if you continue to have success on the ground, you can do whatever you want. I'm not, I'm, I'm just want the offense to put points on the board. I think that the defense can hold the Panthers under, you know, what they've been scoring 27 a game. I think they ought to be able to hold them under that. And so if you can put up mm-hmm. 30 or better, you should be able to win the game. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, question from Fumble 13 on Anthony Walker. Walker's on a one-year contract. Do you think we've seen the last of him as a Cleveland Brown, given his injury? Well, that, that's a tough question because he was doing so well this year, you know, before he got hurt. Um, any thoughts on that, Fred? Well, you know, when they let him walk as a free agent, I thought, no pun there, walk. But mm-hmm. – I didn't think he'd come back because most time when they let somebody go into free agents, they don't come back, even if they sign for less money. Um, When he came back, um, it wasn't a big contract. I really thought they were ready to turn it over to Jacob Phillips, but then they had open competition in training camp and Walker was, is a leader. He's been out captain. He was voted as captain. He won the, he won the job in training camp. I think that made Phillips all the more hungry for this opportunity. 
but a lot of it's going to depend on Phillips and how he um, plays, but it very well could be the end of Walker here. Unless, I mean, first of all, you know, he's played, I think, six years, seven years. Depends on how he comes back from this injury. It's, it, you know, snapping a tendon isn't a, you know, minor injury. And, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. you know, we saw it with Tack McKinley. You know, he was a guy the Browns wanted long-term, um, one-year deal, kind of approve it playing well i think they'd have brought him back given him multi-year and then he tore his achilles and i saw he signed i think with tennessee's practice squad and then the rams signed him to their active roster so mm-hmm. you know i don't know if if walker he didn't have a lot of options this past off season and he came back to the browns so i don't know if he'll have a lot of options coming off a major injury so it will be up to him you know, I think the Browns like his leadership, and, it's, and if it's a team-friendly deal, I'm sure they would be open to it. The guys on the team all love him. Brissett said he's like right. a brother to him. He's like his best friend. So, you know, I don't know. Another guy, Jakeem Grant, you know. I think they signed him to a three-year deal, but I believe the last two years were voidable. Um, I think Jack had something on that. And mm-hmm. so he seemed to think that's probably – a one and done with him because right. you'd have to pay quite a bit more to get him to come back. I, I, you know, if you didn't void it or something like that. So right. unfortunately that's what happens with guys with one year contracts that are injured, you know, they're, mm-hmm. you know, they have questions. Can they come back? And then they usually let them go. And you never saw Olivier Vernon, you know, resurface, you know, some people have asked me, what about seeing him coming back, you know, two years removed, you know, from when he was here. So I don't know, but yeah, I I tend to guess that Walker, unless he wants to come back, the Browns, you know, on a team friendly deal, you Mm -hmm. know, we've probably seen the end of them. They're hoping Phillips becomes that guy. I own uh, exactly one player jersey uh, from all my years covering the Cleveland Browns and being a fan of the Cleveland Browns. And it's a guy whose uh, uh, career was ended because of an Achilles tendon. Uh, so I'll throw that name out there. Jameer Miller, uh, hell of a linebacker. And I remember exhibition game, he tore that tendon and that was it, you know. Uh, certainly hope Anthony Walker has better luck. Uh, yeah. But as you said, Fred, it is a difficult uh, injury to come back from. Um, we have uh, one more question. This was uh, um, not really related to football. It's uh, about the uh, camaraderie of the beat writers who cover the Browns. Um, you don't have to answer this, Fred. Uh, I will answer it. I read all the beat writers. Uh, I do something every morning called the OBR Daily Newswire. Uh, and uh, what I try to do is um, put together the pieces that are, are similar uh, into lists where you can sort of pick who you want to read from uh, and try to highlight the ones that are different. Of course, I highlight the ones from the OBR and from Fred specifically because he's so awesome. But uh, I also try to highlight other uh, stories that are a little bit unusual uh, from the other beat writers every day. It's the OBR Morning Newswire, Daily Newswire, 
It comes out about eight o'clock in the morning, uh, typically, if, uh, if I've had enough coffee. And uh, uh, encourage you to uh, hit the site and read that if you want to see everything from local and national beat writers about the Cleveland Browns. Did you want to have yeah. any comment on that question, Fred? Yeah, I'll answer it. I mean, I do read the other. These are my colleagues. I get along with virtually all of them. I feel like I have everything that, you know, that they have is included in my daily coverage. Um, and I'll say I don't subscribe to the ones you got to pay for, to be honest, because I know pretty much from I know what they're writing about. But I do read. Yes, my colleagues are, you know, we're all in a room. The room isn't it's three rows and we're all pretty much sitting there together talking and so I know what most of them are writing about anyway, but I do read them. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we've got a good group of beat writers here in Cleveland. Uh, <laughs> Paul, it, you, you, you just keep making me laugh. Uh, just throwing the, the, the show uh, to, 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 to the winds by screwing up the web dork. But, uh, you know, with the vast amount of money that, I pay people it is shocking that uh, they don't subscribe to every single thing under the sun. Um, and that's going to be it. I think for today, we are just about at the hour. Um, I do have one question I brought from ATI that I wanted to ask you, Fred. Um, <laughs> this comes from Jason 25, 12, 13. And he says with all the injuries on the, on the defensive line, why not call Sue and Richardson or maybe even get both of them in here at some point. So these are names we've heard all off season. The Browns don't seem to be interested, but maybe with these injuries that might change. What do you think, Fred? Well, how do you know they haven't called them? And if they have, it doesn't mean that they're agreeable to, to come for what the Browns are offering them. Um, Another thing is I just don't – I'm not so sure they really want to disrupt the young group, you know, with mm -hmm. with especially a guy with a little bit of a history and Sue. Um, I like Richardson. He was great in the locker room. He was very close with Garrett. But he chose to go to Minnesota when the Browns offered him more money to come back here last year. So he mm -hmm. might not be interested. Um you know, it's just hard. Every every situation's different, you know, and everybody, you know, not everybody, but a lot of people think that just because a guy's available means the Browns aren't interested if he isn't signed. It takes right. two to tango, and there's contracts involved. There's money, obviously, what they want. And sometimes, you know, somebody at the stage of their career only wants to go to a team that will probably have a great chance to go to the Super Bowl. Not saying the mm -hmm. Browns don't, but right. right now in their situation, they wouldn't be favored. Right. Makes sense. And Sue at this point in his career is not, not a guy you plug in there every down. He's he's, he has very limited snaps. So whether he solves the problem that we have, I don't necessarily know at this point, but I think uh, what we're going to do is we're going to wrap it up uh, at this point. Uh, I'd like to thank everybody who hung out with us today. All the questions, great stuff as usual. And, of course, Mr. Fred Breedham for uh, blessing us with, with his knowledge and wisdom tonight. Thanks a bunch, Fred. 
And uh, we will see y'all next week, uh, Wednesday at 7 on the Rock of the OBR schedule, OBR Weekly. We'll see you then. Thank you. See you.